0: Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning and welcome to With Ministries, Word in the House Ministries. I am Minister Andrea Carr and I'm excited to welcome you this morning. Um, before we get started, I, I just want to send love to those who've had loss. Please know you're in my heart, you're in my mind. Uh, we will be praying for you. Um, loss is never easy. Loss is never easy. Wanted, lost is just a thing that it's hard to overcome. And please don't let anyone tell you, get over it. You should be over it. So I just wanted to let you know that you're in my prayers today for anyone who's had a loss this week, this month, ever. Um, It's so important to forgive. It's so important to have conversations with people So if you haven't, now would be a good time, a great time, a wonderful time to squash some things. It'll be a great, wonderful time for you to uh, make some phone calls, um, go on some visits to people who may have done something to you. And you're asking me, why do I have to go out to them? Be the bigger person. Um, Life is not guaranteed. And I never want you to be holding on to unforgiveness and ought and lose a person before you have a chance to forgive them. Tell them that you love them. Put your eyes on them. Hug them and love on them. So please, 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 in this system, in this season, bless them, morning, hope. In this season, please, please, please find your time to just make amends with people. It doesn't matter who was at fault and who was wrong, but forgive. Forgiveness is really for you so that you can be at peace but in this season with people leaving the way that they are, I really don't want you to hold that. That's a lot to carry. That's a lot to carry. So please, please, please. It is my fondest wish that you would go ahead and forgive, reach out to people that you need to reach out to make amends with those. You need to make amends with this is for you. Okay. So again, my prayers go out to those who have had a loss, um, I pray that God would send a great comforter to comfort you, to strengthen you, and that people would sow and pour into you their love and encouragement so that you don't feel alone um, in this season. Amen. So today we're going to be coming from the book of 1 Kings, the 17th chapter. We're also going to be looking at the 18th chapter. So if you have your Bibles, kind of have it ready to flip to um, chapter 17 and chapter 18. Uh, father god we come before you today lord god and we ask father first that you would forgive us lord god we ask that you would cleanse us and make us whole lord god we repent of all sins thought said or done lord god anything that went against you your will and your way lord god those that hurt other people angered other people lord god forgive us of it of it all lord god you are the great i am lord god you are lord and master king of kings and lord of lords father god we adore you we love you we honor you we glorify your name father god lord now i ask that you would touch every listener every person who watches who hears this message lord god and you would show up in their lives like never before lord god if they stand in the need of something lord god you grant it lord god in your will and in your timing lord god we ask that you would clear minds and clear hearts today lord god renew minds lord god and strengthen hearts today father god that you would seal them in your breast, Lord God, that the uh, blood of Jesus will flow over them, Lord God, and, and take away any pain, Lord God, any physical pain, any mental pain, any emotional pain, any spiritual pain, any relationship pain, any financial pain, Lord God, that they may be going through, Lord God. That you would heal, restore, set free, Lord God, and make people whole today, Lord God. Let them feel your peace, which surpasses all understanding, Father God let them feel you lord god for we know just a touch from you just a yes from you lord god will set everything right so we're asking that you would show up like never before lord god we believe you we believe in you and we trust you father now have your way through me lord god and give me the words to speak lord god that they may be enlightening for people that they would help people to understand and not them just them but me too lord god give me a word for my life and my family lord god we praise you. We adore you. We love you so much. And we thank you for being the great I am, the great comforter, Lord God. Thank you for being you. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Kings, the 17th chapter. I just want to spotlight chapter, I mean, I'm sorry, verse 1 in chapter 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. And I want to go back a little bit because we're talking about Ahab. And I want to give you a little history on who this Ahab is that Elijah is talking against and saying there shall be no dew um, until I speak it. If you look at chapter 16 and you start, at verse 29 it says in the 38th year of Asa king of Judah Ahab son of Omri became king of Israel and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years Ahab son of Omri did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him he not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam son of Nebat but he also married Jezebel daughter of Ethbal king of Sidonias." and began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all the kings of Israel before him. So we have Elijah talking to this king Ahab. And the Bible says that Ahab was more evil than any other king who had been over Israel this king not only did wicked things he married someone who was the daughter of an evil ruler and she herself was out of order and out of line and we started talking about Jezebel last week but I wanted to backtrack and talk about Ahab because this ruler is the reason for what happens in verse 17 verse 1. I mean chapter 17 verse 1. He is the reason that there will be a drought and I wanted to talk to you today about the shutdown. You know that season that you go through in your life where it seems like God has ignored you. God has forgotten all about you. Things aren't going right. It can't. It, it, you feel like you're closed off from. You feel like Everybody else is getting blessed and being honored. And, 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 and it's like, Lord, what about me? What about the prayers I've prayed? What about the thoughts I've had? What about what we talked about? What about what you promised me? Why don't I feel your presence? Why don't I feel the blessings? Why don't I see the blessings? And oftentimes, we'll be going through a shutdown and we don't understand why. Now, that is not to say that you're evil. Not to say that you're linked with someone evil. There are different reasons that God shuts down your progress at times. Sometimes you need to hear a word from him. Sometimes you're off track just a little. Sometimes you're going to the left and he told you to go to to the right. So your disobedience is causing the shutdown. But here's what I know to be true. If you feel the shutdown season, if you feel like you are cut off from God, It is at that moment and in that point of time that you need to sit with him and ask him, talk to him, and be honest with him. Lord, I feel like nothing is being blessed. Everything I feel that I touch is going to ruin. And I just need to know what's going on in this season. What is happening in the season? Okay, so in your time of study, I really want you to read chapters 17 and 18 because there's so many stories that happen in there. But I only want to focus on the shutdown, the drought that happens. So we're going to look at chapter 18, and I'm going to go to verse 1. Then we'll read 15 through 18 and 41 through 46. And I promise I won't hold you long. Verse 1 of chapter 18 said, After a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land right? So that's verse 1. Verse 15 through 18 says, Elijah said, as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Skipping down to verses 41 through 46. And Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel, the shutdown. So here we see some things, right? I want to talk about this because this is going to bless us today. Ahab, who is the ruler of Israel, is evil in God's sight. He does evil in God's sight. He's married to evil, right? And so all around him is evil. And so Elijah comes in chapter 17 to check him. He comes and says, you're out of order, you're wrong, you are doing the wrong things, you are the worst king, and as surely as I live, there will be no rain in your land until I say so. Now, let us understand what a drought is. A drought is a season of no moisture. No dew, no rain, it's dry. And what happens when the land is dry? Well, vegetation can't grow. Grass doesn't grow. Trees can't grow. They die. And so we have a land that's flourishing. Israel was God's land. It held God's people, right? So now this land, this place, these people who worship God and honored God and loved God are going through a season without God. Though he's there, he's not putting his hands on them anymore. And so now they're going through a season where it's dry. They're going through a season where nothing is growing. They're going through a season where no blessings are happening. And here's the crazy thing. It's not the Israelites themselves that are doing all the evil. It's the leader over them. That is disrespecting God and dishonoring God and worshiping idols and worshiping other people. So nothing is being blessed because of the leader over the land. And I wanted to talk to you this morning because sometimes the things you go through, it's not just because of what you're doing, it's who you are attached to. You have to be careful of the people who you surround yourself with. You have to be careful of the leadership you're following. You have to be careful of the doctrine you're following. You have to be careful of what's going on around you. Because just because you may be doing the right thing, someone who you are attached to could be doing something that causes the blessings to stop flowing. And when those blessings stop flowing, there needs to be a sound. There needs to be a sound in your life. And that sound needs to be prayer. That sound needs to be worship. That sound needs to be repentance. That sound needs to be, Father, what is going on in my life that is causing a drought, that is causing this dry season in my life? See, here's the thing. There are many of us who go through a drought, but because we're so comfortable and lack, Because we're so comfortable in not having, because we're so comfortable with the people we hang with, we don't ask God to search us. We don't ask God for an answer. We don't ask God to fix it. Why? Because we're laying with the enemy. See, Ahab was evil in his own sight, right? He was evil. But he was attached to evil because Jezebel was evil. And Ahab was not even in right position because as the king of the land, as leader of the land, he should have checked his wife a lot. And he didn't. He allowed her to rule when he was called to be the king. And sometimes God will give us the vision. But because we don't feel worthy of what he's promised us, because we don't feel like we've dotted every I and crossed every T because we didn't go to this school or that school and gotten this degree or that degree, we allow the baby that God has birthed us to be given to someone else. And we're like, here, 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 what do you think? What are your ideas? What are your decisions? What would you do? And God is saying, but I didn't give them the vision. I gave you the vision. But now you're out of order. You're out of control. You're out of the seat that God placed you in. And so now dryness begins to happen. Things stop flourishing. Things stop growing. Things stop being blessed. Things stop happening. And you're wondering why. Well, it's because God commanded you. He didn't command Jim Jim and Jojo. He didn't tell them to take control of the situation. He gave you the idea. He gave you the baby. He gave you the promise. And when you go on and give it to someone else, how can it flow? If God wanted Jojo and Jim Jim to run it, he would have given it to Jojo and Jim Jim. But he trusted you with it because he knew he had already poured into you what he needed for this thing to come to pass. So we have to talk to God. These are the times that we like to get real quiet with God when things start drying up around us. We like to hide and fall back because we don't want to be checked. We don't want God to tell us that we got to stop going to that club, that we got to stop drinking that drink, that we got to stop smoking that smoke, that we got to stop laying with who we laying with. We got to stop lying about things. We got to stop robbing him. We got to stop talking about the people he put in control. There's some things that we're going to have to divorce in order to go forward in the promises that God has given us, but we become so comfortable with sin. We become so comfortable with evil that we don't want to shed those things in order to move forward. So we continue to link ourselves and attach ourselves with the things that are holding us back. And then a drought comes. And when the drought comes, here's the thing. God will send people and people will have things to say. And there'll be people who are friends of ours, who are mentors of ours, who are coaches of ours, who are pastors of ours. And they'll start speaking messages, friends of ours, family members of ours, children of ours, strangers, commercials, billboards. God will get his word out. But because we're so caught up in what we're caught up in, when these people come, we say, oh, that's the devil. Oh, that ain't of God. Who are you to question me? Who are you to say this? You don't know my life. You don't know my struggles. You don't know my story. So we continue to do the things that we're doing that we know, well, we don't know, that are causing the drought. We think, oh, God doesn't love me anymore. God has left me. God is ignoring me. God can no longer hear me. Now, he was hearing you before all this happened. So what made his ears close? Oh, God knows all, sees all, hears all, but all of a sudden he can't hear you. See, I was that person. I was a person who said God can no longer hear me. He's left me. He said he would never leave me and forsake me, but the Bible must be lying because he is no longer here. No, Andrea, you were lying because God was right there. It's just with all that sin and evil that I was allowing and doing, God couldn't be right there. All that sin and doing what I was doing was blocking me and God. Now, he still saw all. He still heard all. He still heard my cries. He still heard what I needed. But God was like, until you release some things, I can't bless you. Until you get removed from some people, I can't come in. Because, see, why do I want to bless you when you're attached to evil? That means I've got to attach the blessing to the evil. Now, when does it say in the Bible, God blesses evil? It doesn't. It says he can't be around it. So he's going to bless it? No. You know, it cracks me up and I'm going to get a little, I know you're going to be upset with me. You might um, not want to talk to me anymore. You might just, you know, not listen and not watch. But you know what, what, what makes me giggle a little bit with, with our disbelief? When I talk to someone and they said, God told me this is my husband. Or they said, God told me this is my wife. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, really? So you heard that that married man, that married woman, was your wife, was your husband? That's what God told you? God told you to pursue a relationship with someone who's already attached? That's not true. That's not real. And I say this because many of us claim things that belong to others. And I clearly see in the Ten Commandments, it says, do not covet your neighbor's wife. Do not cover covet your neighbor's husband. Basically, do not covet anything that belongs to anyone else. And I think we need to revisit this because we don't understand what covet means. Covet means desire, want. And so we desire someone or something that belongs to someone else. And we have the unmitigated gall to say, God said that that's mine, that that person belongs to me I'm linked up with this person and I know that God is the God of decency God is the God of order so now if you hear that something belongs to you or someone belongs to you baby then it ain't now maybe in the future but that means don't go after it don't interrupt it because it ain't ready for you now that's if you even heard God say that but it makes me giggle when we say God wants us to have something out of order when God says he wants us to have something illegal, when God says he wants us to have something that's full of sin and evil. I've never read in here in the Bible where God said, go on and get somebody else's wife, go on and take them. No. See, there's a process. There is a process that a person is removed from another person and that's called divorce. That means split. That means in the eyes of the law, you are two are no longer together. And now that person is now available. But if you are sitting here lusting after, desiring, wanting someone that's attached to another person, boo, you're breaking one of the Ten Commandments. Move on, get on. And you're wondering why I'm so lonely, why no one called me, why I can't have dates, because you're desiring something unlike God. You wonder why you can't feel, find Mr. Right or Ms. Right and you only find Mr. Right now or Ms. Right now because your mind is out of order. The process is out of order. See, you have somebody in that spot that doesn't belong there. How can someone reach you when already in your mind you're lusting and claiming someone who belongs to someone else? How can your person get there when you got somebody already there? And the person who's there is blocking like this because you over there being the side piece, the side chick, the side dude, and you got this person in a spot that it doesn't belong to be in. And so I want to say to you now, you have a drought that you caused. See, I've gone through storms in my life and I'm honest enough to admit that some of the storms I've gone through have been because of my choices, my decisions, who I decided to link up with, how I decided to turn my back on God and God's will in my life. So though I call them storms, I'm clear that this storm didn't have to come. See, Ahab had a storm come that did not had to come, but because he got out of God's will, the most evil king in the land of Israel, and we've seen some evil kings because for as much wisdom as Solomon had, he was evil towards God's people, right? And we've seen some evil kings in the land. Uh, Verse uh, Chapter 16 talks about some of those evil kings, but out of all the evil kings that Israel had, Ahab was the worst of them all, and he's wondering Why a drought? Well, you're evil and you're tied to evil and you're out of order. And you've given the gift that God gave you to your wife, who he did not call. And you're wondering why a drought. But here's the thing that gets me. Elijah needs to go talk to Ahab, right? Because after three years, remember three years, verse one of chapter 18 said, the drought lasted for three years, three years. See, three, the godly number, the holy number, three years, there was a drought. But finally, God said, okay, we're going to take the drought off. But there's some things that need to happen. And that's why I need you to read chapter 17 and 18, because a whole lot happens between those two chapters. But I just want to focus because of the sake of time on the release. Elijah said in verse 15, as surely as God lives, I'm going to present myself to Ahab today. I don't care what they feel about me. I don't care how they feel. And when you are a servant of God, you need to understand that you may be called to say some things that are not popular. You may be called to call some people to the carpet, and it's people who are in high places that hold high titles and high positions, and you cannot be moved by the position they hold. You cannot be moved by the title they wear. You may, cannot be moved by who they are in your life. When God calls you to deliver a message, even if it's a hard message, you have to go and deliver it. You can't allow things to get in the way of you delivering that message because there's a need for that message. If the message was not necessary, he wouldn't have called you to do it. So never think that because of a person's position and title and who they are in your life, that you should be scared. Now, I know you might get a little nervous, like, oh, my goodness, I have to talk to this person. Who am I? Remember, Elijah and Jeremiah, there were many prophets who who questioned God. Who questioned who they were in order to give these harsh and hard messages. But God knows who you are. God knows what He's placed inside of you, so He knows what can come out of you. So He's already gifted you, He's already skilled you to do these things. So when God gives you a word, go and give the word. Because if you don't give the word, guess what? Now you're in disobedience. And then we just talk about how disobedience and being out of God's will caused the drought. So, there may be some things, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you need to go back to in your life. Were there things that God called you to speak? Were there things that God told you to do? Were there things that God told you to write? Were there things that God told you to look into, to research, to do for Him that you didn't do? Where you have a drought in your season, you need to go back to the last conversation you had with God and see if you did everything he did. Go through that checklist. Well, God told me to. Did you do those things he told you to do? And if you can't go back and remember, pray and ask him, Father, why this drought? Why this shutdown? Why is nothing working in my life? Why are things happening like this in my life? God, what's going on? Now, we understand that the enemy likes to come in and play, uh, um, ain't misbehaving in in your life. He likes to wreck shop and cause trouble. But please understand that a lot of times when we are calling it Satan, it ain't Satan. It's the enemy in us, not doing what we're supposed to do. It's God shutting down some things. See, people don't want to hear this, but this is true anyhow. Satan does limited things. Satan doesn't have all power. I need you to understand that sometimes we put Satan on the level of God, and that's out of order, and that's a lie. See, we call the devil a liar because he is the father of lies. He will have you in your own mind thinking things that are false, and because it's in your mind, you don't believe that your flesh by itself can have these thoughts, feelings, and emotions. So let me go ahead and blame it on someone else. Boo, it's you. It's you being out of order. It's you falling to temptation. It's you. See, see, it reminds me of Jesus, right? Him being in the wilderness, having fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And when he came out of his fast, what was the first thing that happened? Satan came, right? And and, and promised him all these things so that Jesus would bow down to him. Jesus would give him power. Mm, thank you, Holy Spirit. The first thing Jesus saw was temptation in his mind. He said, It is written, right? Because hunger, he was hungry. What happened? After 40 days and 40 nights of not eating, he was hungry. How many of us desire a thing because we're hungry for it? We are hungry for success. We're hungry for accolades. We're hungry for companionship. We're hungry for financial increase. We're hungry for this and we're hungry for that. So what happens? Because we're hungry for it, here comes the temptation for it. Now, you know, in, in, in our minds, we're saying, well, if I'm hungry, then I need to go ahead and eat. If, if I'm lonely, then I need to go ahead and meet someone. If if I'm broke, then I need to do whatever I need to do to get that money. But see, here's temptation. Temptation is not of God. Just because God sits back and allows it doesn't mean it came from him. Please hear me clearly. It's not abdicated by God. It's not sealed by God. It's not signed off by God. Because it says in the word, the Bible, that, that God does not cause temptation uh, or, or, or he teases he does neither one to you so when this bread comes before you and you're hungry you're like oh yes let me give into it when when this man comes up who's six foot three chocolate with a goatee going on and muscle bound build when this woman who is 36 24 36 i don't know the measurements come up you're like oh yes in my loneliness god prevent no dear no sir pray about that thing because your desires are carnal. God is not in carnality. He is a spiritual being. So he is there to enhance your spirit man, not your flesh man. We need to understand this thing because it's really serious. We fall because we give into carnal, fleshly, human desires. See, the flesh and the spirit are enemies. We don't like to talk about this a lot, but the spirit man within you and the human man that you are clash. They don't agree on a thing because our carnal self, our flesh self wants the desires of the world. So it wants the things that the world has, that the world can provide. The spirit man wants what God can provide and what the Holy Spirit provides and what Jesus provides. All one. You understand what I'm saying? So the spirit man wants the word. The spirit man wants worship. The spirit man wants prayer. The spirit man wants praise. The spirit man wants love, peace, all the giftings of the spirit, all the fruit of the spirit. All that God desires for it to have. Whereas the flesh man wants the evil things of this world. But here's the sad thing. People don't understand that though we live in this world and God blesses us with things of the world, we are not supposed to attach ourselves to it. See, it, 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 it it's hard to get things of the world and not attach yourself to it. It's hard to love gold and God blesses you to get gold and not love it and desire it and want more of it. it it's hard to want money and God blesses you with money and you not attach yourself and need it and desire it and flaunt it and, and have it rain down so the world could see what you've done. It's very hard. It's almost a tightrope. And see, Ahab gave into his carnal desires and turned his back on God. The thing you pursue the most, the person you pursue the most is your God. Please hear me clearly. The priority in your life is your God. God. If you don't get your mind on Christ, if you don't get your mind set, your mind will be in out of order. And that's the part we have to understand. Why does God say, wake up with me in the morning and let your first thought be of me? Because that means, Lord, you are my priority. You are my God. You are who I desire. And see, this is an ouch moment for me because there are many times I wake up, I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to pray. I don't want to worship. I don't want to praise. I want an extra 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes of rest, of sleep. And then when I'm late, I get up and I don't have time to pray, read the word worship or praise. I don't have time for any of it. And I go on about my day and I might throw a hey God in there as I'm driving to take the kids to school and then I go on and do what I have to do and sometime in the afternoon I might call on God because somebody has cut me off I'm like ooh thank you Jesus that he didn't hit me or I didn't hit them and and at night you know I'm tired I'm sleeping now I had a full day of whatever I was doing and I'm tired I'm laying down I'm like okay Lord thanks now I have a question for you and don't ask me why I'm on this vein but God led me down this pathway when you love somebody now, I need y'all to talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. When you love somebody, well, I mean really love somebody, what do you usually do? You wake up with thoughts of them on your mind, right? At some point between your waking up and starting your day, you may call them or send them a message, send them a little love note. And as you're going throughout your day, you're thinking about them. So you send them a message. You may call them. You may meet for lunch. This is your honey boo. You may um. Plans, make plans. If you're not married to them, you make plans to maybe go on a date later that day or that week or whatever. If you're married to them, you're thinking about what you're going to do on the marriage bed and things like that. You, I'm being real with you this morning. Come on, somebody. When you love somebody, well, if we love God and he's supposed to be first in our lives, Matthew 6:33, 33, but seek ye first, Right? the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you but seek him first so if God is supposed to be first in our lives have no God before me is that not one of the 10 commandments love God with all your heart isn't that the commandment that Jesus said was the most important followed by love your neighbor as yourself I'm just asking I'm just speaking scripture this ain't Andrew I'm just speaking scripture asking questions How is it that we put God in the back seat of our lives? He's supposed to, Jesus, take the wheel. We love to say that, but we put him in the back seat of our lives. How do you drive from the back seat? Now, I know people try it. I've seen some people, especially some younger people, who will sit with their seat way back here and drive, but they can't see. They come up like this because they almost hit somebody because they're too far back. Well, how are you asking God to take the wheel, but you have him in the back of you? I don't understand. See, he's supposed to go before you like he did with the Israelites when they were in the wilderness, the cloud before them, the fire before them, remember? And so I'm asking you this. How do you prioritize God by putting everything else in front of him? See, this is what Ahab did. I'm just asking because we're reading. So I'm asking some questions. Ahab put God way back. He started worshiping other gods. And as I wanted to be judgmental, i be like, oh, that's a shame. He got that high position. He's king over Israel. He done tied himself to the wrong person. He's tied himself to the wrong things. God was like, hold on, spotlight. Wait a minute now. What did you say, Andrew? Come on, come on, tell me again. I was like, oh, he attached himself to the wrong person. He said, how many times have you attached yourself to the wrong person? Oops. And I said, okay, okay. But he, he had other gods. See, Lord, he was worshiping Baal. And, and Baal is not you. Baal is the, the wrong God to be worshiping. And he said, and how many times did you work and, and strive to stay at work to get the almighty dollar because there was something that you wanted to buy that was out of order? And I was just like, I'm talking about Ahab now. I know my name starts with an A also, but I'm not talking about Andrea. I'm talking about Ahab. I'm talking about for real, Lord, like he was worshiping little G, God's. And God was like, and how many times have you worshiped someone before me? Have you worshiped money? Have you worshiped prestige? Have you worshiped accolades? Have you worshiped spotlight? Have you worshiped fame? Have you worshiped the way that you look? Your, um, I'm trying to think, your your physical looks. How many times have you worshiped a man? How many times have you worshiped a relationship? How many times have you worshiped a friendship? And I sat there and I said, my God. What? So as God was giving me this message about Ahab, he could have easily put Andrea. He could have easily put other people's names in the position of Ahab. Because how many times have we put something ahead of God? A lot. If we're going to be honest, how many times really have you asked God for his opinion before you did a thing? How many times have you prayed and said, God, is this the right person? Is this the right time? Because let me tell you something. It could be the right person at the wrong time. Didn't we just talk a few minutes earlier? Oh, God said, this is my spouse, but they're married. So God could have very well have said, okay, this will be your person one day. But at that time, they belonged to some, Well, I don't want to say belong like they're a possession, but they were attached to someone else. So it might have been the right person, but it was the wrong time. How many times have we moved ahead of God? Because God has shown us a thing. You're going to have a house. You're going to have a car. You're going to have a business. You're going to have a ministry. You're going to have a foundation. You're going to have a marriage. You're going to have blah, blah, blah. God said it. He promised it. He promised that you were the Joseph of your family. He promised that you were the David of your family. He promised that you were going to be like Peter and your shadow would bless and heal people and you run. <laughs> You get the message, you get the promise, and you're running. And you go to do it, and "Ah, God said, God said, God said. But did God say now? Did God tell you right now? Did God say it's done? Or did God say there's a process? See, we forget, and and, and thank you, Holy Spirit, because again, this was not a part of it. We forget that there's a process. We are so anxious to get to the end. the destination that we forget there's a process everybody's process may be different but there is a process and in that process God is fine-tuning some things see he knows that he called Jojo to be your man but your husband but Jojo can't be your husband right now because Jojo has daddy issues because that Jojo has shout out to Ty Jojo has mommy issues JoJo has family issues. JoJo has uh, an illness that needs to be treated. JoJo is abusive right now. JoJo doesn't respect marriage right now. JoJo cheats. So why would JoJo be ready for you where God wants you to go? He's not. And how about you? You may have daddy issues, mommy issues, family issues. You may be getting over abuse, verbal, mental, and physical. You may have... Things in yourself that need to be fixed and straightened out. And God is saying, yes, you, yes, Jojo, but not right now. I'm just showing you a picture. See, if you think I'm lying, let's think about David. David, the shepherd boy who was called in and the oil poured over him as he was chosen by God to be the king of. Of Israel, but here's the thing there was already a king in the seat, there was already a ruler in the land, and his name was Saul. So, once the oil poured and David was chosen, what happened? David went back to the field and became and be continued being a shepherd. Now, what would have happened? If the oil poured and David was chosen by God and he ran to the palace, get out my seat. I'm king. He would have got ahead of God. He wouldn't have been matured in his um, lessons because guess what happened? David was called to serve the king. And while David was serving the king, what was he learning? He was learning what to do and what not to do as king. He was going through the what? process so he couldn't run ahead of God because if he ran ahead of God in God's promise he would have got to the throne and said Saul get out and Saul would have killed him right then and there and what would have happened to the promise it would have died and so now the bloodline of Jesus uh, hold on we got to try somebody else because David is out of order and out of line he's dead now so Jesus can't come from that bloodline This is what happens when we get out of order, when we don't go through the process, when we rush God or we rush ahead of God. See, it's not just about you, though. It's the thing that God promised you, though. It's the thing that you want. It's the thing that you desire. It is not your time until God says it's your time. And God doesn't say it's your time until you go through the process. And I'm speaking to somebody right now, because you tried to get ahead of the process. I did, I still do. And I had to repent, Lord, please, I'm sorry. Okay, 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 let me back it up. Let me dial it back. It's almost like this, if we're gonna be 100% honest. There are times that I wish I didn't know some of the promises that God had for me. Because now I'm looking, when, 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 when. I get on my own nerves. So I know I get on his nerves. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. But God, you promised me this. But God, you promised it. But God, you promised. All the time I'm sitting here reminding God of his promise, that's the time I should be working the process. I'm sitting here wasting time talking about Okay, today, Lord, let us talk about this promise that you promised me, that you promised that was going to promise to happen. And it's a promise, the promise, the promise, the promise. I just spent 10 minutes talking about the, pro- the promise. How many minutes have I worked on the process? How many times have I gone back and said to God, "Ooh, let me make sure that I follow what you told me to do. How many times have I gone to my notes and said, oh, let me look through and see what it was the last conversation that I was supposed to, I'm sitting here ringing his ear. Come on, God, you said, you said, and God said, but didn't I give you some things to do? So the fact that you're still not doing them, you're still in disobedience, and you want me to bless that, Ahab? And see, here's Ahab all out of order. But here's the thing. And I'm going to bring it home because we have a few minutes. Verse 16. Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. We're in chapter 18. Verse 17. Here's where I sat. Here's where I sometimes still sit. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? The blame game. Now that I don't see the promise of God, now that I feel like God is not even in my presence, like God has turned his back on me, he's done none of that. I've done it. Here I go. Father, how could you forsake me? Why don't you love me anymore? Why won't you bless me? You're blessing this person. You're blessing that person. I don't understand why you're acting like this. Why are you being like this? What have I done? Come on now. I did everything you told me. I, I, ooh, 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 ooh pump them brakes Andrea so now you're blaming God for your trouble now you're blaming your giftings for your trouble if I hadn't had this gift in the first place then da 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 if you hadn't told me da 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 that's what we do we shift blame remember what did Adam do in the garden if you hadn't given me that woman wait. what that's where we are going with this Eve, well, uh, the, the, the serpent came and er, er, because those things come up, those temptation comes, temptation comes, baby is your choice. If you give into it or not, I need to, you to understand. We like to talk about our free will and our free choice and how we are able to choose on our own. I want to talk about that for a minute because we like to say, Oh, I have free choice, free will. Until we give in to the free choice, free will, and it doesn't go the way we want it to go. Then we want to blame everybody but us. We don't want to look at ourselves and say, Ooh, my choice to sleep with, my choice to eat this, my choice to drink that, my choice to smoke that, my choice to steal that, my choice to lie about that. We don't want to talk about that. But we look to God like, Why aren't you blessing me? I'm a good person. I do good things. I do good deeds. So how could you... Whoa, Ahab. Troubler of Israel. Ahab, you are the evil king of Israel. You are married to the evil Jezebel. That Jezebel spirit we talk about, he was married to it. The woman in the flesh. Yet, Elijah is the troubler of Israel because Elijah spoke what thus saith the Lord. And how many of us, when we get a word from God, when someone comes to us or we see something and it pricks us, do we blame it? Oh, you're not really my friend. If you were my friend, you wouldn't say that to me. Oh, look at that pastor. He just, I, I, I don't want to serve him. I, I don't want to serve her because she's all up in this business and they don't know what they're talking about. Hurt much. God gives a word and he uses different people. This is what we talked about last week. Be careful because you don't know who's coming. If God could use a donkey in the Bible, come on now, somebody, why wouldn't he use your friend? Why wouldn't he use your loved one, your child, your parent, your best friend, your neighbor, your physical neighbor? Why wouldn't he use the pastor? If the pastor prayed to God, I just want to be clear on something here. If indeed the pastor went on his face and prayed to God and got a word from God, how is he wrong and out of order? Oh, because it hurts your feelings because it's not comfortable. Because how did he know what you did last night? How did he know what you did last week? How did he know what you said? Because God told him or her. Be careful. I told you of the people that come to you and you want to shut them down. Because it's not always the pastor. It's not always the bishop. It's not always clergy. It could be a woman on the street that you never met before. And she said, God told me to say this to you. But now we don't want to hear it. Because who are you? You don't know me. But it pricks you. I'm not talking about the things that are out of order and you've never heard before. I'm talking about a confirming word. You know what it is. But now they're a troubler. I don't want to talk to my best friend on the phone because she's just going to tell me that I'm wrong to sleep with a married man. She just hating. Hating? Hating? No, she's loving. She doesn't want you out of order. She doesn't want you to be out of the will of God. She doesn't want your feelings to be hurt and that one day you're going to wake up and he promised to leave his wife and now she's having a baby. Come on now, somebody. Let's be real or let's not be at all. It's love. But you're wondering why the shutdown. Okay. Okay. I'm going to take this last few minutes. We're going to go forward. So much I can say in this. Elijah said, I have not made trouble for Israel, but you and your family has. Come on now. He called a spade a spade. He said what it was. You are the one causing the trouble in your own land. You are the whole reason that these things are happening. Now, Where it goes on, the part that we're going to skip past, that I want you to read that there was a challenge that happened. There was a challenge that happened in the land where Elijah told Ahab to bring 400 of his prophets because they were going to have a water challenge. You know how we like to do all these challenges on TikTok and on Reels and things like that? Well, this was the first water challenge. And so in this challenge... Ahab was able to see God, right? He was able to see. Uh, it was 450. I'm sorry. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Put me right onto this and make sure I do not lie to you. So read all of that. But we're going to jump down to verse 41 because everything has happened. The prophets of Baal have been seized and killed. All right. They were slaughtered. Or all 450 All the prophets, anyone who was a prophet of Baal was slaughtered. Now, after the slaughter, what did this symbolize? The breaking of disobedience, the breaking of um, doing things against God, breaking of evil. See, in order for the rain to come, in order for the blessings to rain down, in order for the blessings to be released, You've got to divorce yourself from the thing that you're doing that's holding you and keeping you away from God. So whatever it is, whatever you're doing, whether it's disobedience, which is a sin, because he told you to do something or not to do something, and you're doing it or not doing it, you've got to get right with that. Whether it's to stop doing something you're doing that you know is wrong, Whatever it is, you've got to divorce yourself from doing those things that you're doing. And when that divorce happens, when you separate from the person or people you're attached to that you're not supposed to be attached to, when you separate yourself from the thing you're doing you're not supposed to be doing, separate yourself from the things you're saying that you're not supposed to be saying, that's when the rain can happen. Andrea, how do you know? Verse 41. Verse 40, they seized the prophets, slaughtered them. So that's a symbolism of you divorcing yourself from evil and from doing things disobediently and all of that, right? So as soon as that separation happens, in the very next verse, Elijah said to Ahab, go, eat and drink. Go, eat and drink. That says to us, a fast took place. Some of you need to fast in order to get the power and authority to get out of some situations you're in. You're praying and praying and asking God to help you to be released. Now go ahead and fast also. Fast, your, fast away from those desires. So I'm not just talking about push away your plate. I'm saying if you know, and I, I'm just gonna take something. Mm, mm, mm. If you know heroin is your thing, fast away from the drugs The people that say it's okay for you to do the drug, the areas where the drug is, you've got to fast and get away from the thing that is tempting you to do wrong. Do you hear what I'm saying? There are those of us who have a temptation in life and it's holding us back. And in order to get away from that temptation, not only do we have to get away from it itself, but we got to remove ourselves from places. They tell you that when you are, you have a history of addiction, that you not only have to stay away from the thing you're addicted to, you've got to stay away from the areas you used to hang in where you were able to access the thing that you're addicted to and you need to move your circle, change it away from the people you are hanging with that were causing you or allowing you or coddling you or being your crutch in that addiction. So with anything that you have an addiction for, anything you're tempted with, remove yourself. That's what I mean by fasting. Remove yourself from those areas so the temptation is gone. And for some people, you can never go back again. Because as soon as you go to that place, as soon as you go with those people, it becomes familiar and you go back to your old habits. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So verse 40 shows us the divorce. And then Elijah in 41 says... Go, eat and drink. That means don't worry anymore. Don't stress about it anymore. God has done it for you. When you divorce yourself from those things, when you walk back in obedience, don't worry anymore. Now you just go forward. If God told you, to pray 12 minutes. Boo, go pray 12 minutes and move on with your day. Don't worry about the drought anymore. Don't worry about the need anymore. Don't worry about the want anymore. Don't worry about the desire anymore. You go follow the process that you need to follow. You just do this. Don't worry about the end result. The end result will come when you are obedient to the process. Someone needs to hear that. You keep, you keep worrying about the rent that needs to be paid. You keep worrying about the car that may be repossessed. God's saying, stop worrying about that and trust the things that I have given you to do. You focus on my agenda and I will focus on your needs. You get my house in order and I will take care of your house and every person attached to you. Don't worry. Verse 42, so Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. That means he worshiped. That means he prayed and said to God, thank you. Thank you. He bent down to the ground. That's worship. Come on now. That's the posture of worship. So he's thanking God for it. He's praising God for it. And saying thank you that you gave me a word, thank you that you used me. How many of us go back and thank God for using us? How many of us thank God for the giftings He's given us? How many of us thank God for the talents He's blessed us with? With how many of us thank God for all that He has done for us? How many go back? Like I preached two weeks ago about the ten lepers and only one went back. How many of you say thank you, God, that you gave me a righteous word to speak? How many? You're asking God, use me, use me, use me. But did you thank him for what he already used you for? Did you thank him for the ability? I need you to understand that not every person can speak a word. Not every person can preach a word or teach a word. Not every person can lay on of hands. Not every person can touch someone and they be healed. Not every person can do that. The mere fact that you have the gifts of the spirit within you, have you thanked God for them? Have you thanked God that he chose you to build a business? Have you thanked God that he's given you books? Have you thanked God that he's given you a voice to flow and sing and bless the masses? Have you gone and thanked God for anything he's done for you? Sometimes we get so full of ourselves, we really think the talent is ours. Well, I was born with this call. I was born with this gift. Baby, God blessed you with it. How many times have you said to him, Thank you, God, for allowing me to preach today. Thank you, God, for allowing me to teach today. Thank you, Lord God, for letting me be a coach today. Thank you, Lord God, for letting me be a mentor today. Thank you, Lord God, for giving me the ability to think, to grasp what I'm studying. Thank you, Lord God, for allowing me to be in school. Thank you, Lord God, for allowing me to be a student. Thank you, Lord God, for allowing me to be a wife. Thank you, Lord God, for allowing me to be a mother. Thank you, Lord God, for allowing me to be a daughter. Do you know there are people on this earth who wish they could be who you were? To wish that they could have the blessings you have, the abilities that you have, the skills you have, the talents you have? Do you know how many people wish they could be in your shoes? And we take it for granted. And I want you to say, thank you. Tell God, thank you. Thank him. Because he didn't have to do it. He didn't have to use you. He didn't have to use David. He didn't have to use Jesse. He didn't have to use Moses. He didn't have to use who he used, but he used them. Noah, Abraham, come on somebody, Deborah. And here you are with your anointing.